And sometimes when we're working with partners who are a little bit smaller, shall we say, say they've got two, 3,000 people on their list, they'll sometimes have a list where they know that list more intimately. You know, the, the list is small enough that if people reply to an email they sent, they've actually got the bandwidth to, to reply to those people. They have the ability to engage directly. They know some of the people on their list. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 we've seen this with quite a few launches where we'll have partners who are, you know, maybe have three or four thousand people, and they'll be they'll get much better get much better results than people who've got more lists that are ten times that size. You are listening to Amplify Your Success podcast, episode three hundred and fifty three, and today we're going to discover how to create amazing business growth with JV partnerships. You ready for this? Let's get started. Welcome to the Amplify Your Success podcast. Get ready to ramp up your revenue, amplify your impact, and make your mark in the world. This is the show for experts, thought leaders, and service professionals who want to shatter their limits and achieve that next level. You're going to find out from other experts and influencers how they made it. Now, let's get Amplified. Hey there, inspired entrepreneurs and business leaders. It is your host, Melanie Benson, authority amplifier to expert-based entrepreneurs and a possibility igniter for those that are ready to make a greater impact and scale their business in the process. And speaking of scaling, JV partnerships are absolutely a tried and true proven strategy. I I like to call it collaboration, but call it whatever you want. When you are aligning with other people, This is how you skyrocket your business quickly. I can tell you so many stories about how the right partnerships, the right collaborations literally opened doors that just flew open and opened up or tapped me into, I guess you could say, a great audience of new buyers. And I tend to speak of it uh, in collaboration. So if you have my free seven-step framework to add another 100,000 or more to your business this year, you know I talk about the collaboration. By the way, if you do not have that, you can get your free download at amplifywithmelanie.com. I highly recommend you stop and do that right now if you haven't yet, because that framework, it needs all of those pieces working for any of the topics that we cover here in the podcast to work well for your business. So amplifywithmelanie.com, that is also linked up in the show notes. Partner JV partnerships are one type of collaboration that I think are very powerful for business growth. And we have a guest today joining us to talk about how he's helped identify and facilitate powerful JV partnerships and how you can learn from his success. You ready for this? Let's get into the episode. Welcome back, Amplifiers. We're talking about creating amazing growth and opening doors to new audiences through JV partnerships. And my guest today is Danny Berman. Now, Danny is somebody I've been working with on and off for a while, and he's just so extraordinary at what he does. It's such a great approach to JVs. But let me give him an official introduction. He is the director of partnerships for a company you may have heard about, Miracy. And Danny is responsible for driving their business growth through joint ventures. And he typically is managing multiple six-figure launches throughout the year. Now, Danny's passion is people, and that I could just say firsthand, that definitely shows. 
He is nurturing. He's the nurturer of professional relationships is the way his friends call him Captain JV. I don't know, Danny. I've never called you Captain JV, but I can see why. Um, He's a prolific networker and he's working with some of the biggest names in marketing and coaching. And he built a sizable network of over 4,000 contacts across every major industry. Danny, I'm excited to dig into this with you today. Thank you for having me on, Melanie. It's great to speak to you. Yeah, it's no short feat or no small feat to try and coordinate between uh, Europe and uh, California time zones. So uh, we uh, we'll give ourselves a round of applause for making it happen, right? <laughs> yeah, and Australia more often than not. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, <laughs> you know, we may have that come up as well. So let's talk about, I want to take a step back before we get into JVs, because I'm always fascinated how someone steps into this role of being a JV manager and is paid for this really unique and, you know, great talent of being a connector. So how did you get into this? Um, as really, I've been working in marketing for over 20 years. And my, you know, over the course of that time, the way I've gone about uh, bringing clients on board has always been about networking uh, and going to meet, uh, you know, go, go, going to meet uh, like-minded businesses who work with similar clients. Hmm. So that that's just something that, that has been occurring naturally. Um, but, but more recently, uh, I have been more interested in the whole process of joint ventures uh, as really as a really effective way to bring on new clients because uh if you look at advertising uh it's you know it it, it is can be very effective in terms of identifying your target audience um but think of think of uh think of finding the right audience as a venn diagram you know you've got facebook facebook will find an audience for you and that there's, there's a mass of people and then you've got your ideal clients and there'll be some overlap between your people and the people that facebook will find for you but that will never, ever be as effective as meeting a business owner who has got a similar audience with similar desires, similar aspirations, um, similar dreams. And so, you know, ultimately, JV partnerships is not only much more effective in advertising, but it's also a much more rewarding way of bringing new business on board because you're you know, instead of paying a lot of money, you are working with someone who has got, uh, you know, really similar aspirations to you, someone who you know, who you like, who you trust, who you want to work with, who you want to help. And as a result, they want to help you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really fun way of bringing on board new business. Yeah. And to me, it's that ultimate collaborative approach to growth. You know, when two or more are gathered, there's an exponential opportunity to make an impact and make money. So it's I, I love the whole collaborative growth opportunity that that's very popular. And I'm not a big Facebook ad fan. I, I find JV partnerships so much more fun and enjoyable to to, um, you know, put on and put into action. And they're, they're much, what? They're much warmer because at the end of the day, yes. uh, the, the, the people coming on board through through social media ad know nothing at all about you. Uh, whereas with a referral or with a joint venture promotion, it's someone who has been endorsed. Uh, someone else has endorsed you to their list saying, listen, this is someone who I know. I think their program or I think their training is going to be really effective for what you're trying to achieve. It's a, it's a very different dynamic. It's so true. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, um, I talk to people and I try to inspire my clients and my audience all the time to 
put JVs together, right? Put strategic partnerships together. And oftentimes people say, I don't think I'm ready. So what would be your advice to someone who uh, maybe is on the fence about it or considering it? How does someone know they're ready to start doing some proper joint ventures? When people say I'm not ready, it'll often be because A, they are developing an offer that's still evolving. It's not, it's not kind of finished. They may also feel that their audience is still quite small. Uh, and, and it's obviously small is a relative term. I've had mm. people with several thousand of their audience who say I've got a very small audience. Uh, so very often in my experience, when people say I'm not ready, it's, it's imposter syndrome. They they feel that I think that concern also is that people are going to want to promote them. So they'll say, hold on a second. I'm not ready yet. I don't have my offers not 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 fully developed. But actually, you're, you're, you're really missing a trick there, because even if let's just say for the sake of argument, your offer is a few months away from being fully developed. What's to stop you from, in the meantime, promoting others? Because uh, during that period where you're developing your offer, you have an opportunity to support other people with what they're doing. Uh, and when you are ready, if you like, when you're JV ready, those people will be ready to promote you back. So, so you know, you've got this window of time. Use it. Yeah, I'm. I think that's dead on. And I, I would say one of the things I hear sometimes is people say, "Well, I don't know. Like my list is really small. <laughs> like, why would somebody want to partner up with me?" So, you know, is that a problem for people if they have a small list? What I find really fascinating is whenever I, when you're on Zoom, you see people's body language. Mm -hmm. So I will, when I'm meeting a, a a new partner, I will always ask them, "Can you give me a just a rough idea of your list size?" And I can kind of see this kind of, kind of awkward facial expression. Shrink. Oh, I have to answer this question. Uh, and, and normally the response will either be something like, oh, I've got a very small list, uh, which is relative. What do you mean by small? Um, and the second thing that they'll say is, well, I had 5,000 people, but I recently had to cut my list. So it's now only 3,000. The list size actually does not matter as much as you think. Uh, the what's much more of interest to us at Miracy is how engaged is your list. And sometimes when we're working with partners who are a little bit smaller, shall we say, say they've got two, three thousand people on their list, they'll sometimes have a list where they know that list more intimately. You know, the, the list is small enough that if people reply to an email they sent, they've actually got the bandwidth to to reply to those people. They have the ability to engage directly. They know some of the people on their list. So I, 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 we've seen this with quite a few launches where we'll have partners who are, you know, maybe have three or four thousand people and they'll be they'll get much better, get much better results than people who've got lists that are 10 times that size. So I would say don't be intimidated by the fact that you feel your list isn't big enough. What should be much more concerning is how engaged is your audience and how aligned is your audience with the person you want to work with? Yeah, I want to unpack that a little bit more because, you know, with email deliverability and many of the practices that people are starting to adopt of cleaning their lists very aggressively, which is what we do, my list is always a little bit smaller, but it's very optimized. It's very engaged. And the people that stay are people who really believe in what I do and they want to stay connected. And so I find that I often can get better results and better sales and better leads to my partners than people who have these huge lists with people who are um, maybe um, 
micro aligned. <laughs> they're they're kind of on the fringes or not really buyers. So um, I'm glad that you said that. How would you define a small list versus like a really healthy size list? Do you have a number in mind when you're looking at list size? When when people say their list is small, they're usually talking about ten thousand or less. Hmm. Although I'd say for probably ninety percent of our partners, even ten thousand is, is is a lot. You know, would be large for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I see again and again and again, it's often those people who've got those small lists who have much more intimacy with their audience. Just just think about it. You've got 30,000 people on your list. How intimate can you be? Uh, and <laughs> it's, it, you know, you've got to work a lot harder to keep that list engaged. And very often what you'll see when you look at the results of different list sizes, you'll often see that the level of sales relative to the list size will be higher with a smaller list than, than, than a larger list. Mm-hmm. So, well said. so that's don't worry about this size, and and, and also, you know, we we're we're not unusual in that we do not turn down partners who've got two or three thousand people on their list. So it's also thinking about the long term. You know, there, there are lots of JV partners who will be interested in you, and they're looking at the long term relationship. They're thinking, great, okay, you've got two three thousand people on your list, you've got an engaged list, uh, but look at. We're looking at whether if your list is engaged, we want to work with you over the next year, two years, three years, and your list is going to grow. Yeah, you said a magic word a few minutes ago, too, about alignment, which I think is a part that many people forget to really explore. And so tell me, why does alignment matter and how would somebody know if a partner is a good fit for them? I think there are three things that you have to be aware of when you're looking at a partner. Uh, the first thing is, um, do you feel comfortable with them? It seems like a really obvious question, but it needs, is this someone you feel comfortable um, working around? There's some people who you will meet with who are uh, aggressive, or they seem to be either, or if they're not aggressive, they seem to be people who are a little bit, don't seem to know much about their list. So there are various, you know, there'll be various cues that they'll give which make you lack confidence in them in terms of uh either knowing what they're doing or or just altogether feeling comfortable about working with them i think the second thing you need to find out about is uh who are their people right and that means actually taking the time to meet when you're meeting a partner not not scheduling a 15 minute call but actually thinking more about 30 or even 45 minutes to really dig deep and say like, what is your avatar? As in, tell me about your audience. What are their, like, what keeps them awake at night, right? What is their, what keeps them in despair? You know, what are they trying to solve? Where do they want to be? You know, where are they six months after working with you? Those are things that you really need to know about because you, you need to know, do, are those, are, they, are your people my people? You know, or, or is is what they're trying to get is where they're trying to get to similar to where my audience are trying to get to. So, I think that is that is enormously important. Understanding, you know, who who your people are. Uh, it's also understanding uh, whether the offer is a fit. Uh, and and you need to think, for example, if you are, let's just say you're you're meeting with somebody who is essentially selling fairly low ticket offers. It may be they're selling a $50 product or something. Uh, and they generally, you know, it's generally short courses they offer, it's low low, low dollar offers. Uh, and you're selling a $5,000 offer and that's your kind of your entry level program. So you need to think, does the offer fit? 
you know, are you know the people in this audience going to basically be interested in what I have to offer? Uh, and 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 something else I'd say about offers. I mean, that, that's one example. It, it, it's also about all the sort of things that they that they have in that offer going to be something that my audience are likely to be interested in. So you will sometimes have, unfortunately, a situation where partner one, their people love what you do. But what you do may not be as interesting interesting to the other, other direction. And that's fine. But those are the sort of things you need to do. You need to do a bit of due, due diligence. And that means just slowing down and spending a bit more time really getting to know your partner, getting to know their people, getting to know that offer. Mm. I'm glad you um, broke those down into those three pieces. And and again, like I think it doesn't always have to be going both directions. And there's, by the way, there's all so many ways you can support a partner that may not look like you're emailing to their list. You can make introductions. You can uh, you can interview them on their podcast because maybe they've there's something that'd be really juicy for your show, but maybe not necessarily like sharing your offer to their list. So I think if you really dig into it, there's lots of ways to create some win-win outcomes if that partner isn't necessarily a good fit to share them with your audience. Would you agree? Correct. I, I think a lot of a lot of uh, business owners are quite transactional in the way that they approach mm-hmm. joint ventures. I several months ago, I actually met with a business owner who said, I don't really like JVs because it's you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And my response to that is like, wait, wait, hold on a second. That That is not what JVs are about at all. Uh, it's very much about um, it's very much about giving value in advance and actually saying, you know, what can I do to support you? And it's understanding that the way they might support you may not, you know, it may be very different. So correct, it may be that you have you're able to support their uh, their launch and promote them, and they may reciprocate by putting you in front of some really powerful JV partners. So it's just taking a much longer, you know, instead of constantly thinking, you know, what's in it for me. It's just looking at looking at the larger picture. I want to just share an experience from many years ago. I used to be part of a BNI chapter. And what, what would very often happen is, you know, there'd be a, a lawyer in the chapter, there'd be a mortgage broker, uh, there'd be a financial advisor. But what would sometimes happen is there's sort of an ecosystem where you will refer business to the financial advisor. Financial advisor will be working with the mortgage broker. The mortgage broker will be working with the lawyer. The lawyer may refer business back to you. So... It, it's just looking, it, it's just realizing it's not necessarily um, you promoting someone, then promoting you back. It's it's There's a much larger ecosystem at work. Um, and if you look at it that way, you'll have a very good experience. Yeah, not to mention the, just the pure energy of being someone who's giving. It like mm-hmm. it changes things, right? And sometimes it's not a direct line between you and that person. Like there are other ways that those... Uh, those uh, partnerships pay off, right? And so it's like looking at the big vision rather than just like getting in the the weeds of like, hey, this has to be a transaction uh, that goes both ways. So I'm really, I'm grateful you brought that up. And 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 I also will just say, I think a lot of um, JV experts teach a model that's very transactional. And so that might be part of why that starts to proliferate in our industry. And it's why I love supporting you is like you are such a powerful JV connector that you are looking to add value whether it's a direct line back or not so i think i think you you. stand for jv's doing the right way (laughs) or going the right way i should say yeah yeah i think it's 
it, you're correct. It, it, what's taught is typically a very transactional, a very transactional approach. Uh, and this whole concept of giving value in advance, and rather than jumping straight away to say, "Can you?" And I, I've had that quite a few, quite a few times. People just jumping straight away. They they they'll meet you and straight away say, "Can you promote me?" It's just just slowing down a bit um, and saying, "Okay," starting off by actually asking the question, "What can I do to support you?" Uh, and I have to say, ninety nine percent of the time, when you do that it naturally invites a response back where they say, that's great. Thank you for all the support you've given me. What can I do to help you? Absolutely. So I hope we've inspired people at this point to um, step into the JV partnership world and to start to create some. If you were talking to somebody, let's imagine somebody's on the other end of this uh, podcast listening going, okay, Danny, I'm ready. What do I, what would you tell them to do right now to get started? Uh, well, the first thing is is looking at where you know where are your people, right? Mm -hmm. So it may be that you are a, a business coach. So where are you currently? Firstly, where are you meeting your audience? But also, where do you feel most comfortable meeting your audience? And are there people in those spaces that you can work collaboratively with? Now, we with with the joint ventures that we both get involved in are often to do with the fact that you've got a launch or a webinar or an event that your audience that, that your partner is promoting but it can take other forms so it could for example be that there are there is a business that's aligned with you uh, and they might be referring people to you but it's just identifying who who else you know where where you go to meet whether it's a chamber of commerce um, where it, whether it's a uh, you know whether it might be some an, on, an online social media group, you know where are you going to meet your clients and who is who who inhabits those spaces, who is basically very much in harmony with your business, uh, and you can look at uh, you know supporting each other. I've seen joint ventures, um, anything from simple referrals to things like joint events, where I've seen you know a financial advisor, a lawyer, um, a, a mortgage broker, basically hosting a joint event where they basically together promote the event to their audience and they've got a whole range of people turning up. Uh, so, so you know, just, just start having conversations with people in those spaces to explore how you can support each other. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is initiate. Find people who serve your similar audience and talk about, like, what would it look like if we were to help each other access our audiences or, or ask, access referrals in some way, shape, or form. And so take it from the, okay, there's these random people out there and getting very intentional about it. Yeah. It, it, one, one thing I would say is it, you need to have structure. So if you are um, if you are meeting businesses that are aligned with yours, sit down to think about how can this work? So let's say for the sake of argument, you have uh, you both got existing clients or you've got a LinkedIn network, have a plan such as why don't we sit down and look at each other's audiences? Who do we both work with who we think will be a good referral for you? So don't say like, who do you know, right? Who do you know who you can refer me to? Uh, who do you, that doesn't work. You actually have to be specific. Can we sit down together? Who have, sh show me some of the people you work with and I can, tell you who would be a good fit for me or and, and actually again put 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 yourself forward say listen uh here are some people i work with who i think would be a good fit why don't we why don't we sit down and look at that and and you know maybe you going through your network with them and then them doing the same the next time 
Uh, and, and in fact, that is the way, one of the ways that I work with JV partners is, uh, is periodically sitting down with them and saying, listen, here are some people, here are some amazing people who I love working with. I think they'd be a good fit for you. And JV partners I work with will do the same. It's a really easy way to find partners. Yeah, you've done that with me and it's been, I love it. Like, I love how um, you, you put, how do I add value first? And like, how do we co-create something that these people may not have actually ever crossed paths or those connections may never have been formed before. So that's great. Okay. So I I'm thinking like our listener who's maybe not done this or they've tried it and it didn't work well. And I'm thinking of the questions that may be coming up for them right now. One of the questions that I think could be coming up is, um, how important is the offer I have to making this kind of partnership work? Cause I think a lot of people like maybe they have an offer. They don't know if it, it'll work well in a partnership arrangement. Like how do you, how important is it, is the offer in terms of defining good partnerships? Obviously having a, a strong offer that, you know, sales is, is obviously going to be much easier. Um, a lot of, partners what they start off doing is before they start taking that that offer out there is they start promoting internally first mm-hmm. so they've got their own audience they will test that on their own audience and see what the response is before they then uh roll it out uh, the other thing i would say is the other way to test your offer is uh don't don't start running around talking to lots and lots of partners initially focus on a small number of two three four partners that you can test your offer in and, and and find out what works and don't worry if an offer bombs that happens you know at miracy not every single launch that we run is a huge success uh we we we, we you know we test new ideas uh sometimes they're a huge success sometimes they're not so don't 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 be uh, you know don't, don't have it, there's a danger that the fear of failure means that you never get that offer out there you're constantly looking to perfect it right get the offer out the only way you're going to know if it works or not is by actually working with partners and testing the water um and, and yeah yeah and and i mean honestly like miracy's brilliant at helping people with designing really good courses and <laughs> so that's one of miracy's specialties danny any if you are not familiar with miracy but you may have heard of danny any before um and i i think danny's amazing at what he does as a matter of fact like why don't we just take a pause here i've got a couple more fun questions but let's take a pause here I'd love it if you could share like a way for people to learn more about Miracy and the work you guys are doing there. What would be a good first step? Yeah, so the uh, the easiest thing to do is to go to miracy.com. That's M-I-R-A-S-E-E.com. Uh, so you can find out more about um, what we do. Uh, and you have a whole host of free resources that you can access. Uh, if you just go to miracy.com slash resources, uh, there are a whole number of uh, courses that you can take. In fact, right at the top of the page is the uh, hybrid course uh, bootcamp, which you can sign up to. It's absolutely free. So that's a really good place to start in terms of building your first course. Yeah. And I've taken that one in the past when Danny first uh, put that out. It's really good. So if you are looking to create courses that sell well and to be super attractive and perform well with partners, I highly recommend you go uh, check that out. And and by the way, get on their email list. <laughs> they write, I mean, you guys write the best emails. I, I just, I love reading all your stuff. You guys are one of the partners that I pretty much 
read everything you guys send out. So you guys do do so many amazing things. So let's have fun and get to know you a little bit more. You know, we know you're a JV manager and you've uh, been doing this for a while. And I like to kind of take a step back in time and think about you've probably had to make some bold choices along the way or do some bold things to get where you are today. What would you say is the boldest thing you ever had to do to amplify the success of your work in the world? Well, the COVID was a, a huge, uh, had a huge impact on me. Uh, I'm I'm an extrovert, but probably mm-hmm. took me a while to realize that. And actually COVID, I, I think for many of us who, uh, you know, even, even those of us who are um, introverts found the COVID lockdown uh, very difficult. Uh, but for me, it was, uh, it was a wake up call because I had, uh, I've worked in marketing my entire career, but my focus has mainly been on basically sitting behind a computer screen, um, managing, you know, managing ads, uh, managing email campaigns, uh, and being so isolated from people made me realize uh, at the age of 48 that actually I really needed to change uh, and do something that's very, very focused around people and relationships. Uh, the, the area of business that fascinates me is the whole business of relationships. Uh, and um, I think very often sales, business development has a very bad name because it's it's perceived to be really about you trying to somehow manipulate manipulate somebody else. Whereas I've always seen the whole sales process is actually about you putting yourself out to support people, to help people. Uh, what you're what you're doing is you're trying to find out what people are struggling with, um, and then you put your hand out to them and say, "Is this something that you'd like help with?" Uh, if people don't want help, they can obviously say no, uh, and if they say yes, you can then uh, you know then walk them through a way to improve their business, improve their life. Hmm. So COVID really was a um, transformational time for you then. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think uh, I would have made as bold a change had it not been for the the, the, the fact the months of isolation that endured, uh, you know, following the following March 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think many of us can relate to that. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I definitely was... remember going through a period of thinking like, I need to see people, but you couldn't see people. And even though I have a family, I wanted to see people in my my work world. And that's how I get fed. That's how my soul gets nourished is, you know, having lunch or having like those enriched conversations. So I definitely, I, I could see how that would be. Yeah, so yeah. And, and I think it's some, some, something that we have, we need to learn again, that we have unlearned during the pandemic is the importance of meeting in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at JVX live in October and it was the most fantastic experience because when you're in the same, you can do a hell of a lot of stuff uh, remotely. But there's a level of um, interaction uh, and there's a level of uh, the fact that you are really tuned into people and there's a level of intimacy of conversation you just cannot recreate remotely. Um, You can try and artificially create it, but it's just not the same. Yes, this is true. Yes, there are conversations you have in real life and a way of being with each other that is not, you can't, it's not possible to do it over Zoom. It, it's better than nothing, but it's it's not the same. You're right. Okay. Looking back from today uh, into the past, is there one thing you wish you would have done sooner because now you know how impactful it was to mm. the success of your work? Yeah, I, I think I think it's important to... I think sometimes when you are doing 
uh, when you're going, you're sometimes you're going down a particular direction, and something tells you this is not working, uh, and sometimes it's easy to just carry on. And uh, I know the example I'm giving is to do, you know, the pandemic. Uh, I think you need to sometimes listen to yourself and say it's okay to change direction. Uh, you know, very often yeah. people are. Ch- it's it's the you know there's there's the saying better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Um, but uh, actually, no. <laughs> very often in life, it's actually better better the devil you don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So don't be afraid to pivot because sometimes that pivot is going to take you somewhere you need to go that you never would have imagined for yourself. That's what I read Correct. between the lines of what you just said. <laughs> Correct. I, I have, uh, you know, I, I host the Making It podcast at Miracy and I talk to entrepreneurs about their journey. Uh, yeah. And I, I see that again and again where they have pivoted. And very, more often than not, they're pivoting out of uh, you know, they put it out of necessity in the end, but then you discover, why didn't I do that earlier? Um, it, it, in fact, what I find fascinating is you kind of imagine when you meet entrepreneurs, it's like, I wanted to be an entrepreneur since I was five. Not at all. It's so many of the people I've interviewed are people who basically never thought of me about being an entrepreneur. They went down a particular path uh, and then it just was the right thing to do at a certain time. You know, very often they they... What they're doing wasn't working. They discovered something else. They started working with somebody and they became an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. Such so such great wisdom there. Danny, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for being such a great catalyst for partnering up in our community and helping people co-create new opportunities because that's really what we're doing is like we're we're expanding opportunity when we do jvs so thank you and uh, as Mm -hmm. you're listening in i highly recommend you go check out miracy.com i'll link that up in the show notes because i know uh, you may not know how to spell that so don't worry just look in the show notes wherever you're listening to this and you'll uh, find the link to go check out their programs thanks danny thank you melanie It uh, it was a pleasure to be here Thanks for tuning in today, Amplifier. Be sure to join us right now in the Amplify Your Authority community at authorityamplifiers.com and I'll share my seven proven tips to be a highly paid expert that stands out in a crowded market. Plus, we're going to keep this conversation going and I want to hear from you how you're going to amplify your authority and make a greater impact. Before you go, please take a minute to give our show and our guests some love over on your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe, rate, and review. Leave your full name and I'll spotlight you and your authority on social media. 